Greetings and welcome to The Well. I'm your host, Sean Barkley, and I'm so glad to have you along. A couple years ago, my son and I decided to read a book together, and we opted for Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. I'm guessing many of you have read it. Certainly most of you have probably heard of it. Gladwell studied success, and in particular, people who are just kind of outliers, who just were better, who were uniquely gifted and talented and uniquely successful people in different fields, arts, athletics, business, you name it. And he found that there were some key factors that determined a person's success. And I'm going to go through these six real quick, see if you notice a pattern. The first is opportunity. People who are outliers are people who've had great opportunities. The next is timing. The outliers, the successful, right place at the right time. The third is upbringing, raised right. The fourth is family legacy. My grandparents were business owners and I learned from them and so that's how I've become a successful business owner. The last two are effort, I've applied myself, and the 10,000 hour rule. It's been studied and shared that elite performers in different disciplines spend 10,000 hours practicing their craft before they become elite. You know, musicians, athletes, scientists, craftsmen, artists, you name it. And the younger a person is when they begin these 10,000 hours, the more successful that person is. And so, for example, he used Bill Gates. Bill Gates of Microsoft fame, one of the wealthiest people on the planet. Bill Gates was raised in a wealthy household, went to a college that was one of the few schools in the country that had a coding program, and so he spent hours and hours coding for free as a young adult, and by the time he was late in his young adulthood, he had already spent his 10,000 hours. And of course, because of that, Microsoft was born. And you can see some of it is his effort. I mean, you know, he's the one who spent 10,000 hours. But also other factors were just kind of blessing. Wealthy family, he had nothing to do with that. Right school, might not have had much to do with that. Timing was right. Upbringing, all those things contributed. And what I see when I look at the story of Bill Gates is someone who is blessed. And I think that he has been very generous in being blessed, of course. Last week when we were together, we talked about an inferiority complex and how many of us just feel inferior. And Paul, when he wrote his letter to the Galatian church, wanted to make sure that they did not feel inferior and live their lives in fear or being, quote, people pleasers. We're accepted by God in Christ. I'm going to take the other side of the coin today and talk about a superiority complex. A superiority complex that many of us have in our own mind, we say, I am accepted by God because I've done certain things, because I have a certain lifestyle, because I look a certain way, and therefore God accepts me. And that's a very, very different view of life and faith than what Paul had in the New Testament. So remember the story in the book of Galatians. A group of Jewish Christians were trying to impose the old law of the Old Testament onto the Gentile or Greek Christians. And Paul says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We are saved by Christ alone. In fact, he went to see the big, the big pillars of the church, Peter, James, and John. Paul took a man named Titus with him. Titus was a Greek, and they all had dinner together, and they had fellowship with one another. And Paul said, okay, 
is Titus all right? Is he accepted? And they said, yes, he's a brother in Christ. He said, he's not been circumcised. And they said, you don't have to be circumcised in order to be a part of God's family. It's not about the superiority of the things you're doing that makes one acceptable or accepted by God. And then later in chapter 2, Paul calls out Simon Peter. I mean, you think about that. Simon Peter, he's the one who makes the very first declaration of faith, the very first profession of faith in Christ. Yeah, Jesus, you're, Jesus said, you're the rock, I'm going to build a church on you. And I mean, Peter was, he was the man. But what happened was, Peter had been just enjoying fellowship with Gentile Christians, Greeks, eating dinner with them. And then there were some who came from what was called the circumcision party, the, the Hebrew Christians, and Paul became, excuse me, and Peter became afraid that they were going to judge him for having dinner with these Gentiles. And so Peter withdrew and separated himself from the Gentiles because they were ceremonially unclean. They had not yet gone through the rite of circumcision. They were not following the Mosaic law. And so Peter turns the gospel on its head. Basically, he says, you know what, it's not that we are accepted by God, by God's grace alone in Christ. No, it's really we're accepted by God if we're doing certain things. And so Paul calls him out on that, which I have to tell you, I find that comforting because if Simon Peter can make a mistake, I think anybody can. And certainly we know that we all can. And Paul basically says, now, Simon Peter, we are justified by God's grace alone. I just use the word justify, and I want to talk just a minute about what that means. To be justified in this sense is to have been declared guiltless or clean in the eyes of God. We have been justified in God's eyes. And what Paul is saying is it's not following the rules that makes a person clean in God's eyes. It's not obeying all the Jewish law that makes a person not guilty in the eyes of God. God looks at us and declares in Christ that we are justified by God's grace alone. And then we receive it through faith. You remember in the Old Testament, the Hebrews had a vast system of laws that distinguished them from everybody else. There were over 600 of them in the Old Testament. God gave them these laws as a gift. And there were like a thousand other rules they had that kept them from even coming close to breaking God's law. But in Christ, he fulfilled all those. And so we don't have to worry about following those laws and rules in order to be clean. And so Paul's saying to Peter, why are you feeling so superior? I mean, you are no more accepted by God than these Gentile Christians based on the things that, that you're doing as opposed to what they're doing. And so what does this have to do with you and me? I want to talk about two attitudes that I think lead to a superiority complex. And in both cases, there's a spiritual dimension because we're trying to justify ourselves, and that is really, I mean, just like a prison for us, trying to justify ourselves because we can't. And it also becomes a barrier to us enjoying God's good grace and enjoying the gift of Christian community. So here they are. The first is, often we feel superior because of our identity the way we live, our culture. So how do you identify yourself? Now, I know that can mean something different today than it did 10 years ago. Um, most of us, when we say, here's my identity, we have a list 
that descends from the very most important defining characteristic to some of the lesser ones. And so I might be looking at someone and she and saying, you know, tell me about who you are. And she'll say, I'm a woman, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm an American, I'm an engineer, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm an artist, I'm an athlete, and, and so on and so forth. And that's how they identify. Peter said, I am a Hebrew. And in saying that, he had an air of superiority. And Paul says, that's not it. We are first and foremost a follower of Jesus, saved by God's grace. Your externals have nothing to do with it. And so you don't have to worry about whether or not you're okay because of how you look or because of your gender or what nationality or whatever the case may be. You've been accepted by Christ. He's saying our first identity is our faith and our first priority is to advance God's kingdom on earth. And here's one of the ways I think this fleshes out, even in the church. We have a lot of trouble in this country talking about politics. And I think one of the reasons we do is that our party affiliation has become more significant in our identity than our faith. Our party affiliation has become higher on the list than our faith. Let me give you an example. A study was conducted not too long ago. People were asked, if your child is going to marry someone, would you be more opposed to them marrying someone of a different religion or more opposed to them marrying someone of a different political party? I'm not talking about different denomination. I'm not talking Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist. I'm talking different religion. The majority of the people who answered that said, I would be more opposed to them marrying someone of a different political party than I would a different religious faith. What is that an example of? That's an example of something that should be lesser on the list being elevated to the top. And I think a lot of us do that with politics and other things in our lives. We try to justify ourselves. And what Paul says again is, don't worry about justifying yourself based on these externals. Let your relationship with Christ be the first and defining characteristic. Don't let what is secondary become primary. And that's what was happening in the book of Galatians. And I think that's a real word for the church today and for us as we live our lives. We don't have to justify ourselves by how we look and act. We can just accept God's free grace. And we don't have to live in bondage to feeling superior, which is a terrible way to feel, I think. Not that I ever have. The other attitude that leads to superiority or superiority complex is, is pride in our accomplishments or pride in our behaviors. Again, Peter withdrew from Christian community primarily out of pride in his adherence to the law. I mean, he was saying, you know what? Uh, I'm doing the right things here. I am saying the right things. I am hanging out with the right people. Therefore, I'm superior to the other people around me. You know, you go back to the book about book outliers. Uh, one of the stories that Gladwell tells, or examples that he gives, is in 1935, there were 600,000 fewer babies born in the U.S. than average. That's a that's a big decrease in the birth rate. And what happened was those people born in 1935, because there was less competition, that increased their chances of making the team. That increased their chances. 
getting a part in the play, increase their chances of getting into an excellent college because of their birth year. It's by grace. It, it had nothing to do with anything they had done. They just were born in the right year. He also says the majority of Silicon Valley IT entrepreneurs were born between 1953 and 1956. Timing. It was right. Grace. You see, we tend to think that we are accepted because of what we've done. And I think what Paul wants us to see is we are accepted because of what God has done. You and I are just a bunch of broken sinners who are justified by his grace. And, and we accept this through faith. I mean, consider this. The seed of every sin is in every human heart. Let me think about that with you. The seed of every sin, the potential for every sin on the planet under the sun, it's in every one of our hearts. It is our circumstances, our weaknesses, our temptations that water that seed. Just because God has protected you and me from seeing a particular or having a particular seed grow doesn't make us any better than the next person. And you see, here's what I love. In Christ, we are free from having to perform for God. It's about faith, not our external identity or not our accomplishments. God wants us to know that we are all in the same boat. Again, I say it quite a bit around here where I'm the pastor. The ground at the cross is level. And so if you find yourself feeling the pressure of performance for God, just bear in mind what we've talked about from Galatians chapter 2. It's not about the performance. It's about accepting God's grace. And because we can do that, we can make the first the first and the secondary the secondary. It'll make our lives so much better make us so much more joyful, and deepen our Christian community with one another if we can live by that. I hope you have a terrific week. Again, my name is Sean Barkley. You can learn more about what the work I do at crestviewchurch.com. Have a blessed week. Bye.